everyone, this is Craig Valentine from TurbulenceTraining.com, and I am here with my friend Josh Bazzoni, who has the website GetBellyFatFree.com. We're going to be talking about his nutrition program today, and Josh and I met just uh, about last month. I saw him speak a couple years ago on his transformation contest, so we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit at the start here, and then get into the nutrition stuff, but uh, Josh, welcome to the call. Thanks, Craig. Uh, thrilled to be on. Yeah, good, man. It's really good to, to speak with you again. You, you had a great, Josh had a great seminar for a whole bunch of fitness guys, and we all met down there, and it was a really, really great time down in Austin, Texas. So thanks for doing that, man. Yeah, yeah, it was great to have you and uh, to meet everybody, and we all have similar goals and to help people, so it's I, I like hanging out with people that like to help people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And so why don't you tell us about your experience in the health and fitness industry and a little bit about your transformation contest, and then we'll get into some more details about that. Sure. Uh, I started out as a personal trainer really young, uh, before I even got certified. I've always been really interested in health and fitness, and I lived in Iowa, and I used to do a lot of um, Iowa teenage bodybuilding contests and powerlifting contests, and I was really into all that stuff as a youth. And then I went to college and got a double major in biology and nutrition, and uh, right after college, my first job was with a gentleman by the name of Bill Phillips. He wrote a book called Body for Life, and he had a company called Body for Life. EAS is another one of his companies in Muscle Media. They were all together uh, in one building in Golden, Colorado. And while working with Bill, you got to imagine I was right off the farm in Iowa, so to speak. My first day on the job, I go down to the, the uh, gym at EAS headquarters, and John Elway's working out. And... Uh, you know, John Elway, a famous football player, and, uh, you know, Trell Davis and Shannon Sharp and all these people. And then we also had a chance to work with Brad Pitt and, and um, Demi Moore and all these stars through Bill. But the cool thing was we got to help millions of people through Bill's transformation contests. And it was just a great education, a great first place to, to uh, begin working. And since then, I started my own publishing and nutrition company about – 12 years ago now, so I've been doing this as a passion uh, for quite a while. Yeah, it was really cool. The connection with Bill, you helped uh, get a connection that got me the interview with him, and so a lot of people listening to this call have heard my interview with Bill about the transformations, and so everyone's pretty stoked about this stuff. Now, uh, Josh, you have ran quite a few contests in, your, in the past, so why don't you tell us your top transformation tips, and when you do that, keep in mind that there's a lot of beginners on the call who want a nice quick start. And then there's also a lot of listeners who are at an advanced stage or ready to make that advanced transformation, and they really want to get maximum results for those after photos. So top tips for both beginner and advanced. Well, I was a judge for Bill's con a lot of Bill's contests. I was one of the transformation judges, and uh, he had a movie called um, Body of Work, and I was actually one of the judges in that movie. But as a, from a judge's perspective... <laughs> The first thing is just to make sure your photos are like clear and there's no clutter in the background because judges don't even look at the photos that that much if there's all this clutter and you can't see the transformation. But are you are you asking for nutrition tips for a transformation or I, I would say you know for the beginner you know what are some of the things they can do you know they're going from like zero to sixty overnight you know so someone's been really struggling they're eating fast food they're they're overweight, they're tired, and all of a sudden they see this, whether it's my website or whether it's your website or whether it's a magazine, they see this and they go, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, that person looks just like me. They can do it, and I can do it. 
you know, what are the first steps? Like, you know, obviously they're going to need workout and nutrition program, but, you know, what are the most important things that a beginner should do at the start? Yeah, a beginner should do this, uh, in my experience. We're all a product of our environment. So most people's kitchens are a mess. <laughs> I mean, you go through most people's kitchens in the world today, well, in America at least, and you find all this processed food and all this junk food, these chips and these frozen pizzas and these chocolates and ice creams. and I mean, it goes on and on and on. They're full of what I call obesity additives, and obesity additives are basically chemicals, man-made chemicals that a lot of science and research has shown adds a lot of fat to the body. It makes it very unhealthy. It makes you susceptible to a lot of disease. So anyway, the first thing to do, first step, would be to go in your kitchen, get your family support, and make a family event out of it, or if you live by yourself, do it by yourself, and uh, collect all that food. You can give it away uh, to some needy families, or you can just get it off the face of the earth and replace it with foods that are um, from Mother Nature. <laughs> I'm talking about foods with like one, two, maybe three ingredients in them, uh, lean meats, low-fat cottage cheese, uh, you know, grass-fed beef, uh, um, free-range chicken, uh, organic foods if you can afford it, fruits and vegetables, uh, healthy whole grains, uh, things of that nature, healthy fats, and we can get more into that, and especially nuts, certain nuts like pistachios and walnuts, things of that, and then get yourself a great cookbook that's really uh, easy to use and you can make quick, healthy recipes. Doing that alone is like a huge first step for most people. Yeah, I really like what you said there about making it a family event because so many people have very little social support. And, um, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you about how can these people, this is one of the toughest questions that I ever get, is how can these people with no social support make a transformation? What, what you know, with, when they're doing this at home, how can they get their family involved or friends involved? You know, what have you seen that has worked? Yeah, if you don't, well, to back up a little, a little bit, if you don't have support, you're right. Your chances of succeeding are very small, very, very small. I've seen it over and over again. It's even hard for me, after having done this, you know, for the majority of my life, to stick to programs if I don't have a, a workout partner or accountability partner that I talk to quite a bit about what we're doing. So the first step is either get online at a website and try to find an accountability partner or somebody at your local fitness center or somebody that wants to go through this transformation with you where you can talk on a regular basis and say, hey, what did you eat today? Did you, did you exercise today? Why did you exercise today? And keep you accountable, help keep each other accountable, and it just becomes like twice as easy when you do that. So find someone, anyone, a close friend, someone from a community center, someone online, anywhere, get at least one accountability partner and uh, try your best to limit your time with negative people that uh, tend to tell you you can't do things and maybe kind of erode your confidence a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so powerful. Now, yeah. you talked about those obesity additives. I want to go back to those. You know, are there certain foods that people are eating that, you know, people can get really hooked on, and how can they – how can they get rid of those obesity additive foods, uh, overcome those cravings, and, you know, what are some really good substitution foods that they can get in that will get them kind of 
on the right path. Because I know a lot of eating is really about routine and ritual, like, you know, okay, at 8 o'clock at night, you know, American Idol comes on, I'm going to grab a bag of chips and sit in front of the TV. So, you know, what can people do? What are some strategies that they can overcome this uh, negative eating spiral? Yeah, I think a lot of it in the beginning is awareness. I think a lot of people are eating by accident, and by that I mean they don't even really consider what they're eating or what's in the foods that they're eating. They're just doing, like you said, they're sitting down, they're grabbing their ice cream sundae or they're grabbing a bag of chips, and they're just eating without any awareness. So the first thing is just start checking out some food labels. Maybe jump online a little bit and look at calorieking.com or one of these other websites and just see what's in the food you're eating. It'll shock you. Um, here's an example. I was in New York City, and they put all the calorie content in the menus. It's like a, it's like a required law in New York City. And it opens your eyes to how many calories are in things. I mean, I thought I was going to eat a somewhat healthy meal, and it had like 2,400 calories in it. So education, awareness, first and foremost, is important. As far as obesity additives, there's a very simple thing to do here. In my program, uh, Seven Day Belly Blast Diet, uh, that's coming up here, I talk about obesity additives. There's seven of them. The first one, public enemy number one, is sugar. It's what I call strip carbohydrates. This is America's really their number one problem, our number one problem in America anyway. I know you're in Canada. Are you in Canada right now? I certainly am. Okay. Canadians too because we pass all this junk across the border and a lot of other countries now too. Um, is sugar. People are consuming huge amounts of sugar these days. I mean like 173 grams a day we're talking 140 pounds a year of straight sugar. And what sugar does when it enters the body is it causes a storage horm hormone called insulin to immediately grab hold of the sugar and either stuff it in uh, muscle cells as energy. Or if the muscle cells are already stuffed full, which most people's are, uh, it converts it to fat. So people are con uh, consuming this very toxic, very negative um, thing called sugar and strip carbohydrates. And what I mean by strip carbohydrates are like white breads and, you know, these milled processed flours and things that are really bad. They act just like sugar in the body. So something very uh, simple to do is reduce your sugar intake dramatically. I mean, if someone did nothing else after this call but reduce their sugar intake, American Heart Association says 30 grams of sugar a day on average. When you consider a can of Coca-Cola has 40 grams all by itself, uh, that's not a lot of sugar. So I have a 30-30 rule, I call it. 30 grams of sugar and 30 grams or more of uh, fiber a day, which most people aren't getting. That's another topic we can talk about. But if you follow the 30-30 rule and nothing else, you can get tremendous results uh, very quickly. So public enemy number one, sugar. Uh, one quick note, too, on the, on the Coca-Cola. 40 grams of sugar, um, four grams of sugar is a teaspoon. So drinking a can of Coke or any other soft drink, I'm not picking on Coke, is like taking 10 teaspoons of sugar and dumping it into a glass of water, mixing it up and drinking it. So uh, soft drinks, energy drinks, even fruit, uh, fruit drinks out there, fruit juice, are really not good choices for hydration. Yeah, so why don't we, uh, while we're there, why don't we cover real fruit 
and where that uh, plays in in your uh, experience uh, for people getting results and then also in your plan. Real fruit is Real fruit is, for the typical average person out there that's eating all this junk food and eating all this bad food, real fruit is a great substitute because it's still sweet, but it has fiber, which kind of blunts this insulin effect I was talking about. And it's full of vi- fruit is full of vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients, phytochemicals, which give them their color. And they're very important um, for uh, pre- disease prevention. So... Fruit, I think, is a great, you know, couple pieces, a couple servings of fruit a day are fine. You've got some more advanced people out there that are maybe trying to get contest ready. They might want to start limiting their fruit intake. But as an overall health, um, you know, as overall uh, health protocol, you definitely want to have at least uh, two servings of fruit a day. And then and to get those 30 grams of fiber, is there some some foods in there that, you know, most people hear that where they go, oh, my God, it's going to be some type of crazy, you know, metamucil drink. You know, what, what, can, they, what can they do uh, to really enjoy the foods that they're eating and to increase their fiber intake? Because I know that the average American is getting 12 grams, 13 grams of fiber per day, which is significantly below what's recommended, and not only for fat loss purposes, but to avoid cancer, which is a really, really big thing. Yeah. So here's the deal with fiber and how it plays a role in weight loss and everything else. A lot of people don't realize it, but, you know, back in the caveman days, we were eating 60, 70 grams of fiber a day. So we were eating a lot of fiber. And if you're eating a lot, a lot of fiber, your digestive tract works as it's supposed to. Okay, you clear your body of what I call toxic waste. And in my new program, I tell people that they can lose up to 10 pounds in seven days. Now, that sounds impossible, but what I'm talking about, and I clarify, is including excess water, including this toxic waste that a lot of people have in their digestive tracts, and including fat over seven days. A lot of people that only are eating 7 grams of fiber a day or 8, 9, 10 grams of fiber a day, their digestive uh, tract just holds on to this food they're eating in a very inefficient manner. So they have really pounds of undigested food. It's not a pretty topic to talk about by any means. But that fiber helps to cleanse out your system, and it's important. It's also important for nutrient uptake. If you're taking in nutrients, but your digestive tract is just full of this toxic waste, you're not going to absorb the nutrients like you should. So getting at least 30 grams of fiber a day is going to help with that tremendously. A lot of women talk about this pooch area, and guys talk about this belly bulge. It's not all fat. You really need to take that fiber, and you'll feel healthier. You'll absorb more nutrients. You'll have proper digestion. You won't get all this bloating and stuff. Um, You won't be as likely to anyway, unless it's a food allergy, but that's another subject. But uh, yeah, so fiber is vitally important, 30-30, 30, 30, 30 grams or less of sugar. Unless you're an athlete, there's something I call a sugar loophole, unless you're exercising, which we can talk about, 30 grams or more of fiber. Perfect, awesome stuff. Now, just before we move along from this uh, little topic here, what are some of the biggest food surprises out there, and I mean negative food surprises that that there are in people's diets? Like, for example... I'll give you a little bit of time to think while I kind of come up with one of my own. And one of them is granola bars. Like, for example, the, the really tasty granola bars, they often have a lot of sugar. They're 
high in calories, yet I've never met a single person who gets full on one of those granola bars. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, usually they end up eating two or there's two in a package and they eat both. And the next thing you know, they're 300 or 400 calories down and they're, they're barely even satisfied. So what are some other nasty food surprises like those uh, granola bars that I just mentioned? Man, anything process, they say, the first thing that comes to mind is Lay's potato chips. You know, the old commercial, you can't eat just one. Uh, people sit down with these bags of chips or even pretzels, which people think pretzels are somewhat healthy, and really they're just re- refined flour. Um, what people should not think of is just calories, all right? What people should be focusing on is nutrients because your body is like a machine. It's like a car, and if your car doesn't have enough oil in it, it's, the engine's going to lock up, and you're going to destroy your engine, and that's what people do every day. There's something like 160,000 deaths attributed to obesity and obesity-related diseases in America alone uh, every single day. And what these people aren't doing is they're not getting the nutrients they need to function properly long-term. And if you have a nutrient, certain nutrient deficiencies, you're much more likely to get cancer, diabetes, you know, heart disease, stroke, uh, list goes on and on. So rather than just look at calories, you want to try to choose these natural food choices that are going to give you the most bang for your buck. They're going to give you all these nutrients and vitamins and minerals right uh, in the foods there without having to, you know, supplement your diet. But other things besides granola bars, uh, you know, a lot of people think tofu is healthy and it's not not necessarily healthy. Um, a lot of soy products out there, people think soy is really healthy and there's some phytoestrogen problems with soy. Um, a lot of people think milk is extremely healthy and um, I drink a lot of almond milk, but it has a completely different nutrition profile. Milk has a lot of sugar in it. It's a different sugar. It's lactose. It doesn't have as high as what's called a glycemic index, but a lot of dairy products um, aren't very good for you. Think about yogurt. If you grab a yogurt, a lot of times they have 20, 30, even 40 grams of sugar in a yogurt. So they have maybe 8 grams of protein and 40 grams of sugar. You might as well go have an ice cream cone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That was a really great one there, the uh, fruit-in-the-bottom yogurt ones that are really just, you know, they got tablespoons of sugar in there. That That's a real good one. I'm glad you caught that one. And when I was younger, when I was in high school, I was like the pretzel king. I used to eat those things all the time. Uh, you know, I was... So I'm 16, 17, that's when I started working out and I'm reading the magazines and, you know, mid-90s, early 90s, we're talking about everything's high carbohydrate. And so, and that was back in the day when everything, as long as it was low fat or fat free, you were good to go. And so, sure. I, you know, I made a bad judgment call there eating too many pretzels and, and uh, too much uh, processed bread when I was in high school. But uh, Yeah, that's, that goes right along with the idea. I, I did the same thing. I was um, totally... Uh, deficient in essential fatty acids, which are extremely important because I used to just eat nothing but protein and carbs, and I used to just eat carbs that didn't have fat in them without realizing it. And it goes back to that idea that it's not just about reducing calories, it's about balanced food that, that uh, fuels your body, and it's about um, you know staying away from these obesity additives I talk about, those junk and these chemicals that can erode your health and your waistline. Yeah, and you know, there's a... Uh... You know, back then, they were using that phrase, eat clean, like they were using that phrase, you know, 20 years ago, you know, before it became a big book. And so that's why, you know, I I really don't like the phrase because it can just be so generic. I mean, eat clean to a guy in the mid-90s was rice and chicken breast. 
which these days we know is not, you know, necessarily the best way to eat. I mean, you have to have healthy fats, which, you know, back in the mid-90s, eating clean included zero fats. So I really, really, really hate that phrase, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I do too. And I ate a ton of white rice back in the day. And white rice is refined rice with the fiber taken off of it, so it absorbs much faster in the body and has very little, if any, nutritional value. Yeah, and so uh, why don't you tell us then what you're eating these days? Because I think a lot of people are always curious to hear, well, what's the expert eating? And so, you know, maybe just uh, run a couple of meals off. Let's start with your morning now, and maybe when we get through a few other questions, we'll talk about your afternoon and your and your evening meals. But what what is on uh, Josh Bazzoni's diet these days? Sure. Well, the first thing that most people should do is they should get, like, four or five quality meals, and most Americans don't stray from, like, four, five, six meals at at each, like, breakfast, lunch, dinner. So if you get four or five, six in your rotation and that you can always make quickly, you're doing a great job and that you have the ingredients for in your home at all times. Uh, that's one important tip that you can do. But here's what I had, for example, this morning for breakfast. I, had a, I made a protein pancake. I had a, a scoop of protein powder mixed with uh, slow-cooked oatmeal, and I put some blueberries in there and a little bit of applesauce to give it some moisture and, and, and texture, organic applesauce. And I uh, made blueberry pancakes, and I had, uh, what I had with that, some grapes on the side. Um, that's what I had this morning. And then I had a protein shake right before the call, uh, almond milk with uh, protein powder and a little bit of organic almond butter. It's like peanut butter, but it's with almonds. So that's what I've had so far today. But I'll eat, you know, five to six times a day right now because I'm trying to lose weight myself, just like everybody else out there in the world. Um, I go through stressful times. My my weight will fluctuate, but the good thing is I know how to get it back in control. But that's just an example of what I'll eat today. Tonight I'll probably have grilled salmon, and I'll have a medley of vegetables that have a lot of colors in it. People should try to eat the rainbow of food colors in a day. So if you think about the rainbow and all their colors, Try to get vegetable fruits and vegetables during the day that cover that rainbow spectrum. Make sure it's not, you know, like uh, purple cocoa puffs don't count, right? <laughs> it's got to be like natural food. And you'll get a lot of the vitamins. Skittles? Skittles don't count. <laughs> okay. All right. You'll get the vitamins and minerals you need if you're eating that rainbow, so to speak, yeah. fruits and vegetables. All right. So you made a really great point that people should have the, the uh, recipes and the ingredients for four to six meals. So, you know, like I've got my four to six breakfasts I can create any time. i got my four to six lunches. i got my four to six dinners that the family likes and that suit my, my program. And, you know, if, you know, if the world's coming to an end and, you know, there's floods and I can't get to the grocery store, at least I know I can make this and, and stay on track. So do you have uh, – are you going to have recipes in your program or you know, where would you recommend finding some? Or where would you recommend finding these four basic, you know, standard meals for each one of your uh, main uh, meals? Well, my program, the Seven Day Belly Blast Diet, does have, uh, does come with a cookbook, and I think the important thing with any meal is that it's fast, especially in today's, you know, today's busy world, and it's balanced. And we can talk more about balanced, but. Uh, people, yeah, you can find cookbooks online. You can find there's all kinds of great cookbooks out there. You know, Eating for Life cookbook. Bill Phillips is an old cookbook. Uh, you probably have some, Craig. I don't know if you do or, or some of our friends like Mike Gary and people do. 
But the important thing is you find at each meal, like you were saying, four, five, six meals that you can just keep in your rotation, and they're quality meals. So, so here's an example for breakfast for me. Here's what I'll have basically every day of the week. I'll rotate it between about three or four breakfasts. And I love these breakfasts, so it doesn't bother me. Um, I'll have protein pancake like I did this morning. I'll have an egg sandwich, which I use whole grain, uh, English muffin, an egg, uh, a little bit of turkey sausage, and a little bit of cheese, very low in sugar. Um, I'll have uh, scrambled eggs, uh, natural eggs with higher omega-3s. Sometimes I'll do uh, like two eggs and two egg whites, but a lot of times I'll just eat regular eggs because they're not as bad as people think. They're actually very healthy for you. So I'll have eggs with whole grain toast and maybe a half a grapefruit. Those are three, and then a lot of times I'll have um, oatmeal with a protein drink on the side of it. And the oatmeal, I just don't eat plain oatmeal. I put walnuts in it. I put blueberries in it. So those are some belly fat killing recipes, I should say, or meal ideas for breakfast. There's three or four of them right there. I just rotate them. And it really takes the uh, all the conscious effort to have to think you have to come up with new recipes all the time. Yeah, that's great. Now, our friend John Romanello has, a, has an interesting tip in one of his recent articles, and he said that you shouldn't be afraid of just eating the same thing over and over again. And I know that's, that's going to work for certain mindsets. What are your thoughts on that? Who does that work best for? You know, there's certainly different personality types that get into sure. transformation contests. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's hard to argue with John because he he, he looks so good. <laughs> Such a muscular guy. Um, but here's here's what I think on that. As long as the meals that you're eating are high-quality, balanced meals that cover the nutrients you need, otherwise you can eat yourself into a, a nutrient-deficient state. For example, if you're eating the same foods all the time that are low in vitamin C, you know, uh, never happens anymore, but you'll be walking around with scurvy here in a couple of months, uh, which is a vitamin C deficiency that used to happen back in the uh, back in the old days. But yeah, I think you should stick to the same meals, but they've got to be really balanced, and you've got to have a lot. If there's one thing I would change, it's the um, fruits and vegetables. Make sure you're getting different colors of fruits and vegetables quite often, just to make sure you're getting that you know vitamin mineral. Uh, content, those phytonutrients that you need so much. Very cool. All right. Now, another great thing that you told me, I really, really, really like this quote that you gave me. It said, you can't outperform your confidence when it comes to weight loss. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I don't think you can outperform your confidence for long. Some people can do it for a short amount of time, but I don't think you can outperform your confidence or your self-esteem, if you want to call it, in anything in life. Uh, a lot of people have what I call deservance issues, and they have confidence issues. And if you don't consistently work to convince yourself that you deserve great things in life, whether it be a great paying job, your own business, a great marriage, a great body, if you don't convince yourself that you deserve those things, you will never have them. And uh, that's very important. So in my program, I spend a lot of time on this because you can give someone the ultimate nutrition program, the ultimate diet, the ultimate uh, exercise program, but if their self-esteem and their confidence sucks, for lack of a better word, they're just not going to get results. I've worked with so many people over the years. I mean, 
tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And I see it over and over again. People who have low confidence, they just never get results. So with them, I really don't even spend a whole lot of time on nutrition or exercise in the beginning. I spend a lot of time having them do simple little exercises like reminding themselves of great things that they've done in their life that they never thought that they were able to do. And I have them reminding themselves of things that they, characteristics that they like about themselves. And that sounds a little foo-foo-y, but it's really important, man. I mean, all of us know people who say, I'm going to start a business and do this, and they just never get around to it. And they just, they're worst enemies themselves. So I spend a lot of time with that in the program. I think it's, I know it's vitally important. Very cool. And, you know, I'll, I'll speak for the people listening on the call. They really appreciate that because it is super, super important to have that right mindset. And, and a lot of people are going to struggle, and they may not succeed with their first transformation. We see a lot of people, uh, you know, talking about that on my Facebook page. And, and I like to point out that if you read the success stories of our winners, it always seems to be their third, their fourth, their fifth, their 20th attempt to lose uh, the body fat. Is there anything you want to mention maybe on perseverance and, and give some great motivation tips to our listeners? Yeah. Um, boy, I've seen a lot of transformations in my day, and persistence is really important. Planning and tracking what happens is really important, and then making adjustments on the fly depending on what is and isn't working for you. Surrounding yourself with a group of like-minded, uplifting people that can help you build your self-esteem and keep you accountable and you can share with as well is vitally important during any uh, tra physical transformation or any transformation process in general. Um, you know, my, my friend and mentor Bill Phillips in his new book talks a lot about kind of cleaning out your own closet in order to achieve, and he talks about people who walk around with all kinds of anger towards people and resentment and uh, shame or uh, regret in their own life have a hard time achieving good things because they get in their own way. So if that is someone listening on the call, they should definitely um, make every effort to try and uh, rid themselves of those feelings because the greatest achievers and performers I know of out there are people who uh, are very, uh, they're full of gratitude, they're full of happiness, and um, you can build those characteristics in yourself uh, no matter where you're at today. If you, it just takes some effort. It's like building a muscle. So I just wanted to point that out a little bit. You can, you can overcome those things. That's very cool advice. Appreciate that. Now, you mentioned yeah. something there. You mentioned the phrase tracking, and I'm going to ask you how important this is, how uh, you see your transformation contest winners in the past, how much time do they spend on tracking? What are they tracking? Are they tracking just the nutrition? Are they tracking their workouts? Are they tracking even more than that? What is the most important information that we need to know about this topic? If you fail, what's the saying? If you uh, fail, to, fail plan. to plan, you're, you're planning to fail, right? Yeah. And there's nothing that's nothing I've heard that's more important than that. Uh, it's so true. I write down what I eat when I'm in a program where I'm trying to get really fast results. I write down everything I eat. I've been doing that, you know, for uh, last month or so now. And just the mere fact of writing down what you're eating has great effects. And there's been science, scientific studies I've shown that people that just write down what they eat and they hold themselves accountable if they write down everything they eat. 
they lose weight. Uh, so tracking is extremely, extremely important. I think people should track their workouts. People should track what they're eating. People should track how they're feeling during these times. Uh, people should be tracking what works and what doesn't. The more, the merrier. Now, some people like me, uh, I'm not a planner in, by my nature. I'm not a tracker by my nature. I've never wanted to keep a journal or anything in my life. You can come up with systems that are very easy for you to follow. And here's an example. This is a little crazy, I know. Back in the 80s, uh, Richard Simmons, of all people, had a program called Deal-A-Meal, right? Oh, yeah. And it gave people, like, these little cards, and when they ate what they are supposed to eat, the card goes from one side of the wallet to the other, right? And he made millions off of this idea. I remember watching this as a kid. My mom bought the program. Well, I do something, like, similar. I'll put um, anything in my pocket, like quarters, nickels, dimes. Quarters represent protein. Nickels represent carbohydrates. Dimes represent fat. I'll put change in one side of my pocket, and as I eat my food, food during the day, I'll know I've got to eat certain number of protein, certain number of certain number of carbs, certain number of uh, fat servings. Each one's a portion, right? And we can talk about portions. But I'll move it from one pocket to the other. And when the when the change runs out, I don't eat anymore. It sounds silly, but I do that. You can do that with something on your desk. You don't even have to write this stuff down if you know you're not going to you're not going to be able to follow a program like that. Some people love to track everything, and they'll get online, and they'll track every little morsel, and they'll look at the nutrition content, and they'll track their vitamin C intake, and God bless them. It's not me, so I, I come up with alter, um, alternative approaches that I know will work for me, like I just described. So it's a little bit of, little bit of a tip there. That's pretty cool. All right. Now, um, we've covered a lot of good stuff for beginners, but... Let's talk about, you know, the best way for people to determine how many calories they need. If they're going to go to that level, and I'm not even sure if in your program that people are going to need to because they're going to be focusing on those whole natural foods, but, you know, what are the best ways for people who are just getting started to get a good idea of how much, how many calories they need? Well, if their basic rule of thumb that we always used in the past, uh, when we used to do a lot of calorie counting with athletes and, um, other people that we worked with, was if you're trying to gain weight, trying to gain muscle weight, anywhere from 12 to 15 calories per pound of body weight. If you're trying to uh, maintain, maybe lose a little bit of fat and gain muscle weight, about 10 calories per pound of body weight. And if you want to lose weight, you take your body weight times the number eight. Uh, very simple way to determine how many calories you need, and it's very, very general. Your age, gender, uh, um, the amount of exercise you're doing on a daily basis, all, of course, affects that. But those are some general numbers. So if you weigh 200 pounds and you want to lose a little bit of fat and may, maybe gain a little bit of muscle, you're at about 2,000 calories a day. Um, so those are, you know, if you want to lose weight, you're at 8. Those are really general guidelines. problem is I've seen over and over again most people won't track calories. Uh, people who are advanced and love to go to the gym and love nutrition, they'll track their calories. Other people won't. So that's a challenge and why I recommend people count portions instead, like I was talking about earlier. The other problem is a calorie is not a calorie. There's something out there I call the calorie myth. And the calorie myth is that every calorie, no matter where it comes from, is a calorie in your body and it acts the same way, but it's really not the case. For example, 
if you have 100 calories of, let's say, chicken breast, your body will use 20% of those calories to digest the protein because protein is a very complex molecule, very complex nutrient. So 20% of the protein will be used to digest and assimilate that uh, protein calorie and those protein calories you just ate. Whereas like white sugar, or I'm sorry, white flour or sugar, it really doesn't have much of a thermic effect at all. Your body will just absorb it, and uh, fat's pretty low also. So the thermic effect of food is something to keep in mind. Um, when you have something like oatmeal, slow-cooked oatmeal, it'll have about a 10% of the calories that you consume will be used to digest and assimilate the food. So there you go again. When you eat more complex natural foods that take your body work to digest, you'll actually burn more calories in the digestive process. We're not talking about like 1% or 2%. We're talking about as much as 20%. So in my new program, I incorporate that as well. It's not just calories, not just this calorie myth, but it's actually combining foods the right way so you can help burn a lot of the foods that you're eating just in combining them the right way. Very cool. All right. Um, what else can we go over here? We'll you mentioned one of your obesity additives. Why don't you give us a couple more that are really important for us to discuss? Yeah, there's um, there's quite a few. Caffeine is another one. I have seven obesity additives. Caffeine is one of them. Caffeine is great. It can actually help with lipolysis or the breakdown of fat in certain amounts. But the problem is you get these energy drinks out there that people are drinking by the gallons these days. Not only do they have huge amounts of sugar, I think one of the energy drinks I looked at recently, Rockstar, I think it was, had like 65 grams of sugar in a can. Well, I mean, those cans are huge, yeah. Yeah, they're big cans, but people are drinking that stuff. And uh, kids, you know, I that stuff, which is, I mean, adults, you make your own choices, but kids are being cheated there. Yeah, and even Gatorade. The average American does not need the sugar in, in Gatorade. Granted, athletes who are, who are refueling during the sugar loophole period, I call it, um, and even people who are working out intensely can certainly, you know, indulge in something like that. But the average American shouldn't be using that stuff. I was at the gym the other day, and I saw this poor woman walking. She was probably 50 pounds overweight, and I feel bad for people like that. I mean, I've used to be overweight in the past, and I have a lot of empathy for them. And she was drinking in front of her on the treadmill with a Gatorade, and an energy bar. She probably walked for half an hour. She drank the whole Gatorade and ate the energy bar because she needed energy while she was working out. That was her mindset, right? That's That advertisers had convinced her that's uh, what she needed. She probably consumed 600 calories. Well, and, you know, she exercised for 30 minutes and probably burned 120 calories. So people got to be, be super careful what they're consuming in the name of energy Fat is energy. All this body fat around us, that's stored energy. We just got to tap into it. We got to move our bodies. We got to eat the right way. We got to keep our insulin levels low, not eat sugar, so that our bodies can release glucagon, which is a hormone that'll burn that fat. So anyway, um, caffeine. Back to I got a little off track there, but caffeine. People are consuming way too much of it, and when you consume way too much of it, it actually makes a lot of people nervous, makes them anxious. And what do people do when their mood is out of balance? They eat. They eat foods to try to get back in balance. So caffeine can actually make people eat a lot a lot more than they should. Um, MSG. You know, you think of MSG uh, with monosodium glutamate. You think of Chinese food. 
and how they used to ban it. I remember in the 80s and 90s, I used to go to Chinese restaurants, and they had no MSG signs up all over the place because it's not good for you. It has some ill health effects. Well, they still use MSG in a lot of processed foods these days, salad dressings, you know, I go uh, to the grocery store and I look at salad dressings that have MSG, and there's all kinds of studies on MSG where people who uh, consume a lot of MSG products uh, have a much more tendency to be obese, and they've linked it directly. So MSG, which is in a lot of processed foods, uh, is a link to gaining weight, which is crazy, but you've got to look at those food labels. Another one is excess sodium. You know, our bodies need sodium to a degree, but we, in processed foods, the manufacturers are adding so much sodium these days because we've basically deadened our taste buds to sodium that they have to add in tons of it so people think it tastes right. And uh, sodium causes dehydration, and then people go to drink more, and what do they drink? They're not drinking fresh water. They're drinking these energy drinks, or they're drinking these Coca-Colas that add more weight. So those are a couple other obesity additives. And, again, if people just wiped out these seven obesity additives or limited them and chose different brands of their favorite foods, they'll lose weight. I have people that come to me and say, Josh, I will not exercise. I will not change what I eat very much. Um, I don't really want to do anything, but I do want to have some weight loss, and I want to live healthier. What can I do? I say remove these seven obesity additives from your nutrition plan, and lo and behold, they'll come back and they'll start to lose weight and they'll start to be healthier. I mean, it's not as dramatic as if you do exercise and if you change more things, but that alone, you can get a good result. Yeah, I mean, just getting that junk out. I mean, first of all, it eliminates a lot of darn food, to be honest with you. I mean, you're not going to have a lot of junk left if you get rid of even just the few that you mentioned there. So powerful yeah. stuff there. Hey, why don't you, you mention a pretty cool phrase there, sugar loophole theory. That, uh, I had not heard that one before. Okay, so... The American Heart Association recommends that you consume, on average, no more than 30 grams of sugar a day. They realize that you know, it's a terrible, toxic ingredient, and the average American right now is consuming upwards of 200 grams a day. So there's a huge discrepancy there. Well, when you tell people they can only have 30 grams of sugar a day, and there's other diets out there that tell people like 10 grams or 15 grams a day, it's really just not reasonable in today's world. I recommend around 30 grams. It's still really tough for people, but I have something I call the sugar loophole, and it's a trade-off. You can eat more sugar if you exercise. So you can have 30 grams of sugar a day, but if you exercise, and depending on how long you exercise and the intensity level, you get more sugar. So it's kind of like a reward. Um, it's, it's funny to think about, but it, it works because there's certain times during the day when your body is primed to handle sugar. Your body is much more primed to handle sugar in the morning than at night. Uh, after a, a rest, your body is just more primed to handle sugar. And post-workout. So if you go and exercise intensely, uh, your body will take the sugar that you consume and it will drive it into muscle, muscle tissue and replace the energy that you just used. And it will store it in muscle tissue as an energy source called glycogen, right? So... That's the sugar loophole. If you want to enjoy more sugar, you exercise. And if you don't exercise, you, you shouldn't be enjoying more sugar. So uh, it's a little trade-off there. And I go through the exact amounts in my program and how to combine it with protein. And there's some faster-absorbing proteins like whey protein and the amounts that you should be consuming after a workout to help 
uh, repair the damage that you did to your body during exercise. But it's the little sugar loophole. It's kind of a cool little way to get more sugar if you want it. Okay, cool. And I know uh, some other coaches that have said, yeah, you know, I don't mind if my uh, clients, you know, even have Skittles after training. It's pretty funny. He was talking about his figure competition girls. So it just shows you the power of exercise on sugar metabolism there. So Yeah, and, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that, Craig, because I'm like a sugar addict, okay, I'm uh, as far as ice cream goes. I'm like, I should go to Ice Cream Anonymous or something. <laughs> I'm addicted to ice cream. I, and um, I will do my very best not to eat it, and I maybe have it once or twice a week. But when I have it, I always try to time it right after a really intense workout. And uh, I know that that's a sugar loophole, that that sugar is more likely to be stored in muscle tissue. So if you've got one of those things, chocolate or something, that you just you're not going to get out of your eating program no matter what, uh, someone would have to tear it from your claws, so to speak. Uh, think about eating it post-workout. Well, you must have gotten rid of some of the sugar from your diet. So is there any overcoming craving tips you can you can pass on here? Yeah, uh, I've had severe cravings. First of all, like everyone in my family and my extended family has been obese or morbidly obese at some point in their life. So I have terrible genetics. In addition to that, I'm not a tall guy. So, you know, if you got somebody who's six foot four, they can put on 20 pounds, you can hardly notice. You got someone who's five foot seven, five foot eight, you put on 20 pounds, you look like you put on 50, right? <laughs> so, um, just the service area idea there. But, uh, yeah, here's what I do to battle cravings, uh, sugar cravings. Um, I eat five to six times a day. There are studies that show that when you eat five to six balanced meals a day, you're, you balance your blood sugar levels. Now, and you don't get hungry and you don't get these wild cravings. People come to me and they say, Josh, I cannot stop eating. I am like craving food constantly. And lo and behold, I find out they're eating tons of sugar and they're only eating like two meals a day. And your blood sugar levels are on a roller coaster ride and it causes these huge cravings. So you can balance that out. Everything is about balance. It comes down to balance when it comes to the human body. It's always trying to reach a homeostasis. It's trying to reach a balance. So the way you help your body and the way you trick your body is to consume uh, five to six meals a day with protein, uh, slow-absorbing carbs, and healthy fats during those meals, spaced you know anywhere from two to three hours apart, and you will balance your blood sugar levels, and it will help tremendously with cravings, any type of cravings. I have people do this, and 48 hours later they'll come back and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, you know, my cravings have gone down like 75% just by eating frequently throughout the day and eating the balanced foods at each one of their meals. Another thing you can do is exercise. I think of exercise like a jackhammer when it comes to cravings. Um, a lot of people crave foods because of, you know, these emotional, they're trying to reach a balance in their emotional state. They're depressed, they're stressed out, they're anxious, something's wrong, and so they eat. Well, if you replace that with exercise, which can release these feel-good hormones, uh, you can uh, really accomplish the same thing without feeding uh, your emotions. The other thing is water. Most people walk around in a state of mild dehydration, and if you're dehydrated, it'll, your mind will send a signal to your stomach that says, I'm dehydrated, I need something to drink, but your stomach really uh, interprets that as, I'm hungry, I want to eat more. 
And so if people drink enough water, a lot of times their cravings will decrease. So take your body weight divided by two, and that's how many ounces of water you should try to get a day. Uh, for me, I weigh about 180 pounds right now, so I'm looking at 90 ounces of water a day, which helped me tremendously with cravings. And the final thing is vitamins and minerals. If your body is deficient in a variety of vitamins and minerals, your mind, your brain will basically be screaming to uh, your stomach saying, eat, we need more vitamins and minerals. We're, you know, we're, we're dying over here and um, you're go to, you'll go to eat and if you're eating a typical American diet, you'll eat foods that are completely void of the vitamins and minerals that your body is demanding. And so you keep eating and eating because you're never giving your body truly what it needs. So your body keeps sending uh, starving, craving signals to your stomach. So those things, water, uh, eating fruits and vegetables, maybe taking a multivitamin to help with any uh, vitamin and mineral deficiencies, come from food first. Food first is very important. Um, what else did I say? Balanced meals, uh, three, uh, two to three hours apart. And I might have mentioned another one, but I, um, that's, those will help so much with cravings. That's good stuff, man. And, and, you know, here's just a little story about me is sometimes, I mean, I rarely drink a diet soda, but if I drink a diet soda with caffeine in it, you know, mid-afternoon or early afternoon, I'll notice it in terms of dehydration, and then I'll notice that I'm, you know, thirsty, but also eating more than I expect in the evening. And, and so, you know, you just mentioned a couple there, you know, being dehydrated and, and the caffeine being a problem. So, you know, people should just keep their eyes open for that. Are they drinking too much coffee throughout the day and not getting enough water? And, you know, if they just make that switch, will will it help out with their, cra- their cravings and being able to overcome that stuff? Yeah, and, you know, instead of these heavy energy drinks and these Starbucks drinks with cappuccino shots that have, you know, two, 300 milligrams of caffeine in them, switching to green tea, which uh, green tea has been shown in studies, to be a very potent antioxidant, which is very healthy for you. And it also has been shown to increase the metabolism. So switching from these energy drinks and these coffees that are full of sugar and cream and all this junk that add belly fat and fat all over your whole body to something like green tea, uh, doing that alone can help uh, people with energy levels and uh, long-term energy levels because they're reducing body fat and they're... um, you know, it does have some caffeine in there, but it's more like 50 milligrams instead of 300 milligrams, so you're not going to get that huge dehydration effect and that huge um, anxiety kick after you drink a green tea. So that's another good example for people. Yeah, that is, that is really good information there. All right, final topic that I want to cover before we finish up our call here is what are your thoughts on cheat meals and or cheat days? Can these be good? Um, is there a specific way to do a cheat meal that you recommend? Uh, do you have any specific suggestions on making these work? And they're quite popular, uh, the whole thought of the cheat meal and, and even the cheat day these days. Well, I think Joel Marion, who talks about cheat meals all the time, is completely wrong. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Joel's, Joel's a good friend. Um, no, Joel's right on. And, uh, you know, Bill Filch used to talk about a cheat day all the time, even back in the 90s. And there's a lot of reasons for it cheat meal or a cheat day. I tend to recommend cheat uh, meals nowadays for a balanced approach rather than uh, a whole cheat day because I think it works well for people 
that have a busy schedule like me. I'll have two to three cheat meals a week. So if I'm traveling, which I do a lot, and I'm out socializing or I go to a business dinner, I know that I can have a meal and not feel guilty about it. And it also is just a psychological trick to allow myself not to think I'm dieting. And a lot of times I use cheat meals as a reward system as well. If I follow my program, you know, and, and do everything I'm supposed to do for two two or three days, I reward myself. So it's, it's nice. But from a metabolic standpoint, there's a lot of science that shows that cheat meals or cheat days actually help. When you diet, um, what can happen is your metabolism, because hormonal changes, will actually begin to decrease. You'll start to naturally burn less calories. It's your body's response to uh, – it thinks it's starving. It's a very simplistic way to say it. And then when you sneak in a cheat meal or a cheat day every once in a while, your metabolism will respond and increase again. So if you do it strategically, you can keep your metabolism going along, humming along nicely without hitting those weight loss plateaus. Now in my new program, uh, it's called the 7-Day Belly Blast Diet. I'm changing the calories every seven days, and it goes through a cycle. Now it's not just a seven-day diet and you're done, but every seven days we change the caloric structure of what you're eating in, in an attempt to trick your body into not get hitting a weight loss plateau. So you keep releasing those calories, so to speak. You don't really just release them for no reason, but it's used for metabolic functions and producing heat and various other things. But uh, to trick your body into um, not holding on to this fat. So, yeah, there's a lot of great science, and it's really where diet should be going. If you're going on one severe calorie restriction, if you're eating 3,000 calories a day now and you drop down to 1,000, after about a week, your body's going to make all kinds of adjustments, and it's going to become even more hard to lose weight in the future. Plus, you'll be burning muscle, which is a very bad idea because muscle is very metabolic. So long answer to a short question. Cheat, cheat meals, cheat days are a great thing um, for uh, losing weight. Very cool. Appreciate that. And, you know, sometimes uh, short answers or short questions do require longer answers. So, <laughs> this is really, really cool. Uh, really, really practical stuff. Um, eye-opening uh, stuff, especially about the obesity additives. Um, very sensible. Also, you know, you, you got a lot of good judgment in there. And, you know, I certainly can appreciate that this is going to help a lot of people. So, thank you for being on the call. Yeah. Yeah, I just um, I want to thank you, Craig. Thank you for coming down. And um, just mention again that my seven-day belly blast program, my diet, is going to be launched soon. It might already be launched. And it comes with food journals, and it comes with cookbooks, and it comes with a step-by-step program where a lot of the things we talk about today might be really confusing to someone. But it lays it out in a way where it's basically like step one, step two, step three. We get into a lot of supplements, which ones are bad, uh, which ones uh, are good and the science shows they're good. We get into a lot of weight loss scams out there, what you should avoid, what you shouldn't waste your money on, and just gives you a very balanced program that you can get really fast results. And uh, as I mentioned before, some people, some of my clients have lost up to 10 pounds in the first seven days, 10 pounds of excess water, 10 pounds of this toxic waste that's in their system because they're not eating enough fiber and also uh, fat. And so those three things are combined in the, ten, in the 10 pounds. And if somebody's you know, overweight, hasn't been active, it's not a stretch. 
and they're eating very poorly, it's not a stretch for them to be able to lose a significant amount of weight in seven days following a program like this. So anyway, Craig, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate that and, and uh, can't thank you enough for being on the call. And, and we'll probably get feedback and maybe do another call in the future, Josh. Cool. Take care. All right. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you for being on the call, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.